you know, there was such a thing as, you know, you, you go to Loblaws and buy off the shelf the Asian upbringing. Yes. And the Asian. So you, edu- yeah, you totally got, I had that. You just went with the default formula. Absolutely. Didn't think, just Home, be- home Depot'd my, my yeah, you, you didn't, know, post. You didn't even check the settings or no, at all. not yeah. at all. I never asked, what do I want to do with my life? Right. It was always like, well, this seems like, this is what everyone else wants me to do. So this seems to be the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. Hello and welcome back to the So Far podcast, uh, the podcast where we bring on guests from various uh, industries and career types, businesses, um, who are also kind of early on in their current uh, business or career uh, to provide advice or uh, stories or inspiration or anything that can be of value to all those who are listening who are also early on. And today we have Lucas uh, and he is, among other things, uh, an entrepreneur. He is uh, an educator and connector. Um, you know, uh, before this, uh, for this podcast, actually, he had connected me with uh, several guests uh, who will be on the podcast and who have been on the podcast. Uh, so he knows a lot of people. Um, but uh, I'll just have him introduce himself a little bit. Lucas, thank you so much for being on the show. Well, Anton, thanks for <clears throat> for doing this, first of all. And then secondly, uh, inviting me to, to, to be part of the uh, the lineup of guests. Um, so before I say you know more about myself, what I'm hoping is for all of you guys who are listening, um, that I can offer something to you that uh, you know may be a new perspective that helps you work through something you're struggling with, you're thinking about, maybe something that inspires you to take a leap of faith that, uh, you know, Take a chance on something that maybe you've been thinking about, sitting there wondering, what if, what if, what if, and maybe some, you know, something that um, I offer is something that you may go, hey, you know, based with that, that's just going to kind of push me to go try something that I've been meaning to try. So I hope you get something out of this um, mm-hmm. in, in whatever it is that you and I are going to cover. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Um, so just qu- quickly about kind of my background. So I uh, run an organization called Y2 Entrepreneurship Labs, and what we do is we teach students in middle school and high school, so grades 5 to 12. Mm-hmm. Um, give, we, we run programs for them to develop their problem-solving, innovation, and entrepreneurship skills. Mm-hmm. And we do this in schools. We do this like during you know during the school day. Mm-hmm. Um, we do a variety of programs. We teach teachers uh, how to run programs of their own. Right. And we run, uh, we call it uh, conferences. Um, <clears throat> before I did that, I did my own consulting. Mm-hmm. Um, I have been le- co-leading a community organization called Startup York, which is where you and I right. met. Yes. Um, which is like a grassroots, you know, uh, community of, of entrepreneurs of all levels of business mm-hmm. uh, maturity from pre-startup. And I'm thinking about it to people running their businesses for, mm-hmm. for you know, 15 years. Um, and then before that, I spent 15 years in corporate, TELUS, Accenture, did a bunch of, th- you know, led teams and so forth. Right. Okay. Well, that's, uh, well, thank you for that uh, brief introduction. Um, uh, without now saying uh, a job title or... Um, you know, the things that you do, how would you describe yourself? Like if someone asks you, who are you? And you're not allowed to use a job title or um, yeah, anything that you specifically do for work. How would you describe yourself? I help people who <coughs> are struggling to find their voice to find their voice. Excellent. That's an excellent description, actually. Um, it's kind of yeah. like, you know, um, if you follow comic books, Right. Um, Charles Xavier like rolls around his wheelchair, mm-hmm. um, and he like finds other mutants to join the X Men, and that yes. feels like and, and and so you know and he helps them figure out their powers, and they they learn to do good or sometimes not so good things. But I kind of feel like that, and I have a little bit of the haircut to, to go with it. <laughs> and, but it's it's finding people like I, I find that if I find someone who has that potential, maybe they don't believe in that potential, or they they do see it. Um, but they're struggling to kind of find a way to manifest that potential, right? Um, that spark, that creativity, that desire to do good things. Right. It's I'm just so natural. I get drawn to that kind of stuff. Okay. And so that's kind of what that's been a constant since I'm I was like 12. Oh, awesome! So uh, you guys heard it here first. Uh, Lucas is going to start a school for gifted youngsters. It's called Y2. It's called it's, Y2. <laughs> it's not not X Men. It's Y2. It's Y2. Oh wow! That was excellent. I mean, it's why excellent. Yeah, you heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so, uh, you mentioned uh, having worked in corporate. Um, were you? Did you have like a, you know, uh, kind of, quote unquote, typical uh, post secondary path and or education path? Or? Are you kidding? I'm Asian, man. That's, <laughs> that's absolutely what. So, um, 
for those of you, and I, I th- I've heard this goes for pretty much everybody, but um, or er- everyone whose whose families came from another country. Mm-hmm. But I'm Asian. I'll make you. You can make your joke. I'm make, I'm gonna make my joke about being Chinese, um, so that I don't offend offend anybody mm-hmm. else. Um, but there were four legitimate occupations when I was growing up. So it was big business, which could include accounting, engineering, law, law and uh, medicine, specifically right. a doctor. Nurses, not so much. Um, and I'm not offending the nurses. That's just, that's, that's what I was told when I was growing up. So right. it was, everything else was a hobby. Right. Um, so after high school, I did the, you know, university undergrad. Uh, my mom wanted me to be a lawyer. So that's why I, I did poli sci. Right. I realized that when I started taking the LSAT, which is the test that you take to get into law school, yep. uh, I hated it. Um, so I realized that's probably a bad fit when the entrance test into the school that will teach you all the things you're going to do in your occupation. When you hate that, right? It's probably a sign. Yes. So generally, yeah. So I was like, okay, don't want to do law school, um, but I'm still being pushed to do something after undergrad. Right. So I'm like, well, medicine's out because I hate needles, and I suck at science. Yeah. So I'll do MBA. That seems to be the only other option. Yeah. Other than doing a master's of something. Right. And I was like, hey, well, MBA is close enough. So that's a master of something. It's a master of something, but it was as opposed to like actually learning deeper stuff about epidemiology or whatever. I'm like, MBA is like, okay, so it gets me no job. Right. And then I, then after the MBA, which, you know, my mom's like, check mark, you know, you Mm -hmm. did a grad, a grad degree. Then I got a job at Accenture, um, Anderson Consulting at the time, which is a, a big consultancy. So again, it was the check. He got a job at a big company. We don't need to worry about him. So absolutely. It was the standard, standard, so that was your post-secondary kind of like educational track. Uh, were you ever uh, entrepreneurial as a, as a child, as, as a teen? Like what, what was young Lucas like? Um, socially awkward, couldn't get dates, but that probably wasn't your question. No, um, <laughs> but that's, hey, you know what? Any information is information. Yeah, yeah, it's it's good con- makes for good content. Yeah, that makes absolutely. For- um, was I entrepreneurial in terms of starting businesses when I was young? No, but was I a problem solver? Mm-hmm. Yes. And okay. so one example, um, <clears throat> when I was, I think, 12, so grade seven, um, my friends and I would play road hockey. And when we play on the road, no matter what road we were in, I grew up in uh, Burnaby, uh, <clears throat> just outside of Vancouver. Um, so we'd play, play road hockey and then cars would come by. We'd have to do the traditional you know, car, car and you move yeah. the net. And that just got annoying because we kept having to move stuff. Right. And, and when someone took a slap shot, the ball would go down the block and we'd waste mm-hmm. five minutes finding the ball. Um, but uh, so then I but I noticed that the school gym was empty, mm-hmm. and on Fridays so I went to the principal and I said, "Hey, um, we are looking for a place to play hockey, which right. is safe and and more more than anything that we don't have balls going everywhere, and we're not interrupted by cars. Could we use the gym?" And he said he thinks about it. And he was like, "Yeah, okay, um, but you guys can't damage, you know, obviously yeah. uh, leave it in the same condition you found it." Right. You can't use our equipment, mm-hmm. uh, but if you decide to bring your own, then you you need plastic, whatever, blades. Mm-hmm. Like he gave us, you know, and I was right. like, oh, that's reasonable. Um, so it was kind of from that point, uh, not, not necessarily that point on, but just that's an example of when I was younger, I would always kind of be like, hey, how come, you know, here's a problem. How can we do it that way? Right. You know, could we do it this way? And someone may say, well, my friends were like, you can't talk to the principal. Like he's going to say no. How do you know? We, we haven't asked him. The worst thing he could do is say no. Yeah. And I was like, well, I'll ask him and see. And at the same time, I want to respect the principal and the mm-hmm. school. And, right. and so from a young age, I was usually, I would be someone who'd be like, wait a minute, that doesn't make sense. It could be better. Then I question it. Right. And sometimes good things would happen like this ball hockey thing. Yeah. And sometimes I'd piss people off because they'd be like, can you just shut up and stop? Just tell, <laughs> do what I told you to do. I think that's basically kind of what a lot of, you know, uh, business owners do now. It's, you know, instead of a, principal it would be uh, uh, investors or um, uh, a client or the general public of, of consumers thinking like no it's, it's this way because it is this way but you you decide to question that and you're like oh what's well, the worst that can happen it continues being that way exactly and if it can and if there's a reason for it then then fine if it continues and like you said it's, mm-hmm. we're no we're, we're not worse off but um that i think that would be Unlike some of the the business owners I know who started businesses, you know, from a long time ago. So Jen Green, who you, who yes. you know, um, she started Jade Consulting, <clears throat> I think, very at a very young age, like I think straight out of uh, straight out of school. So she's been, you know, she is someone who right away has started a a you know money making business. Right. Um, I didn't follow that path. I was more of a let's go solve problems, right. and my desire to solve a problem has led has led me to do what I've been doing with, with Startup York, right. and then with Y two. Yeah, and I think 
Did, did you were you aware of that uh, as as a kid that like you were that sort of um, that you were that person or was it just you you had already internalized it and you hadn't been had that self awareness? I I never really stopped to think about it. Mm-hmm. I would just do it, mm-hmm. and then I like I, over the years I saw the pattern. Right. Where, where somebody would say, oh, it's always been done that way. They're never going to change. And I'd be like, well, that's stupid. Yeah. Why don't we try something? And, and I, so I became aware that others didn't think that way. And that's when I started thinking, wondering, wait a minute, why am I wired this way? Right. But when I was, you know, when I was 12, um, never really thought about it. Right. You know, another one was my friends were like, we, you know, it'd be awesome if we could rent a rink to play ice hockey. And like, and that w- that would be the end of the conversation. I'd be like, well, right. if we want to do it, why don't we do it? Right. Oh, we don't know how. So I went to the r- local whatever six rinks, you know, and was like, how much does it cost, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Um, There's a story for grade twelve grad. Uh, we were going to do like a the <coughs> school admin had booked the the grad thing to happen before exams, mm-hmm. and we're like, well, that's 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 counter that's anticlimactic, and they're like, well, we're not going to go look because we were busy, and I was like, okay, I respect that. What if I looked? So if I could find a place that is suitable and, you know, blah, blah, would you as admin go for it? And they were like, yeah, it's got to be suitable. I'm like, yes, absolutely. You guys get veto. But can I go research? Right. And they were like, okay. And so I ended up finding Hotel Vancouver, which is like a Fairmont. Right. And I'm like, you, do you guys have it? And they were like, yeah, the date is whatever at the end of June. So I'm like, okay. And went to the, to the admin. I'm like, this is kind of what I found. And they were like, yeah, totally that works for us. So I changed the grad date. But it wasn't like Lucas is going to you know charge the school it wasn't that i was trying to be popular it wasn't yeah. it was just this is stupid you know grad should happen after all the stuff is yeah. done you should have dessert after you have your steak so to speak right um maybe that's not the greatest metaphor but <laughs> you know what i mean yeah no. but it's it's that it was that kind of like well that's dumb it doesn't make sense to me I mean, it's not it's yeah. dumb it didn't make sense to me you know are you okay if i go try to find an right. alternate perspective so, so it's it was, always been there yeah so it was like a problem that you felt like didn't or it was uh it was a situation that you felt like it didn't make sense. And so you had to figure out, okay, how, how do I make it so that it does make sense? Yeah. Or at least I satisfy myself that, right. you know, I've, I've, I've taken a look and. Or you, yeah, you, that you've tried to see if you could change it. Yeah. And if I can't find a better solution, then I can't find a better solution. Yeah. So I've never been aware of it. When I was younger, I never really identified myself as a problem solver. Right. It was just more like, you know, it just, that didn't make sense. Okay. All right. Well then, uh, Moving on to uh, why uh, two, um, could you tell us a little bit more about like how the the very early stages of how that got started and and like why you decided to start that? Yeah, like so similar idea in January 2015, I think I ran a startup weekend, which is uh, for those who don't know, it's a um, it's kind of a worldwide thing. So headquarters is in Seattle. Um, but what they do is it's it's a very grassroots um, series of events. Um, <clears throat> Startup Weekend is a three-day, 54-hour competition where you co- you show up on a Friday, you, you pitch your idea for something. Um, the participants then vote a, short, uh, vote a shortlist, and then teams form around the, the ideas that got shortlisted. And you work night and day from Friday night until Sunday afternoon, and then you pitch to a panel of, of judges. Right. So I ran one. And what I wanted to hand to the, to, the, to the participants was, you know, if you want to continue your business, here's a bunch of resources. Mm-hmm. And I did, like, compile, like, a seven-page document. So it was the local um, players. Like, YSpace didn't exist then, but it would have right. been, like, a YSpace. And by the way, um, for those who don't know, um, YSpace is an awesome community partner. We do, do a shout-out to Dave Kwok and Noreen and Hannah, who, who run the space. Um, and, you'd, like you know, I said earlier, they're, they're uh, well, actually, did I mention anyway? If I didn't mention it, uh, they're part of uh, Innovation York at York University. Mm-hmm. But YSpace has become such an important hub and, and connector within the York Region uh, startup ecosystem right. um, to the point that they're attracting people from Toronto now. Um, so they're doing, you know, when we came in, you saw a bunch of startups that are working here. They recently launched something called a food accelerator. So it's a startup specifically targeting. Mm-hmm. Uh, com- companies that are in processed food, so con- consumer packaged goods and right. foods. So they're doing a whole bunch of things, and I just want to make sure that there's a shout out, you know, to given to them because they've been so generous in uh, opening up their space to community mm-hmm. organizations um, to do things that bring people together. So right. just a tangent there. So um, back to what I was saying. So I compile this document, and uh, <coughs> what I notice is that in the seven pages, there's really nothing for teens. Mm-hmm. So we're like, hey, teens, you know, you're the future. You're going to do all this great stuff. Mm-hmm. 
but for a teen who is curious about entrepreneurship, <clears throat> she or he would have to take a bus from Newmarket or whatever and take two hours to get down here or an hour. Um, but the, the facilities, um, these existing seven-page doc, you know, document organizations, mm-hmm. they closed. Um, they're open during regular school hours. Right. So by the time the student gets here, they're closed. Right. <clears throat> so the alternative is skip school. And if a, if a teen, if a you know, student in grade 11 has a business, you know, she or he may take time off. Uh, away from school but if someone's just curious yeah. they're not going to invest that time so yeah. there really wasn't anything outside of school walls to let students yeah. learn about like really from entrepreneurs and learn what startup founders were were learning yeah so with that in mind i took what i what we did at startup weekend <coughs> adapted it converted it and made it a two two saturday conference for high school students and so right. we ran over two Saturdays. Uh, day one, they would, uh, you know, shortlist ideas. They would form. They would form teams. They would get a couple workshops around design thinking, building a pitch presentation. The following Saturday, they would then do a workshop on public speaking, and then they would deliver their, you know, have time right. to practice, and then they would deliver their pitch. Right. And that was kind of the yeah, I'll do it, you know, on the side. We got sponsorship. Like um, you, you, we earlier you met the um, one of the guys from the regional municipality of okay, York. Yeah. So another shout out. Um, they've been supportive of youth, the, you know, the entire time Y two's been around, and so organizations like that would would kick in some money so that we could deliver this this conference to teenagers, charge them like thirty bucks so they showed up, mm. but they got six meals, so you know, breakfast, lunch, dinner on both days. Right. Um, we had access to facilities and supplies and prizes, and and the prizes were like mentor meals with serial entrepreneurs. Oh, okay. So access to the the te- the two teams that won. I didn't want one team; I wanted two. Mm. So bragging rights were, you know. Right. There wouldn't be one team running around saying we're the best. Yes. Um, but instead of getting stuff, because most, most kids um, who attended, would able, they already had their stuff. Yes. And giving them you know, a trophy was not helpful. Yes. But, in, but sitting them down at a milestones with a CEO of you know, a large company. Yeah. Um, you know, one, one team sat down with the CEO of something called uh, Enthusiast Gaming. Okay. And they, in October last year, they went live on the TSX. Um, oh. Yeah, so they run EGLX, which is a huge gaming uh, convention. It takes place like every, almost every May. Okay. Um, so these guys, like the C- the people that these kids wow. sit down with. Yeah, th- th- we're talking legit. Yeah, so these are like people, these these are people who um, other business owners would pay like thousands of dollars a, uh, a week just to have like a mastermind exactly. approach. Yeah, and, it was yeah. complete access that even the, the kids' parents probably couldn't get. And so that's the kind of stuff, the experience I wanted for the right. kids. And so I, I leveraged my network um, to, for, for mentors and coaches. So each of the teams mm-hmm. in the conference, rather than just kind of throw them to the wolves, they, they, were, they had a coach, like The Voice. Right. So they had a coach who would sit with them and help them process and apply the learnings from the workshops. And they would share real-world examples mm-hmm. and, and, and lessons, mm-hmm. but the coaches never did the work. Right. Because it was the team, you know, it was really there to support the team. Right. And so that model worked <clears throat> pretty well. Um, so we're actually running our, ne- our ninth conference in, in February, March. Mm-hmm. And you're going to speak at it. Yes, I am. I am. Because um, the, the other thing I want is I want the kids to be exposed to people who are not that far ahead of them in terms of... Um, you know, possibly more like age. Yes. But what I wanted was for them to look up and see role models, which is why I wanted you to talk. So, because then the, the kids will be like, okay, I don't, I can't ind- identify with Lucas because you know he's got kids who are like our age. Right. But I can identify. I can see myself in Anton. That maybe you know, here's a guy who has taken something he's good at with videography, and he's also kind of you know started building a reputation within the community mm-hmm. by giving. I can see myself doing that. Yeah. And, oh, my God, he's a person of color. Or, you know, and the other speaker, actually, the following week, um, she uh, has started a, a, her own company. And, again, I want them to see, you know, in her, like, oh, okay, again, uh, you know, woman, and you've done really yeah. well. And, you, and it's not to pick on single attributes of, yeah. of, you know, any of the individuals, whether it's you right. or Janelle or whoever. But, I, you know, combined... I would love for the kids to be able to say, you know what, I, I see something in Anton that I, I, I see yeah. in myself. I see something in Janelle that I could see myself right. being. And it's all about giving them that safe place to learn, to practice some concepts, to build a, a solution mm-hmm. to a problem, but then have established entrepreneurs and role models around them. Right. And so, that all, so that's kind of how it all started. Okay. Then that ballooned into the in-classroom in stuff right. I'm doing now. And it's, it's kind of funny when, uh, when you first asked me uh, to, to speak um, you, you had sort of prefaced the uh, prefaced it by saying that uh, previous keynote speakers were um, uh, were were successful entrepreneurs and they've run uh, 
uh, possibly more than one successful business. Um, and then you said, well, I want this year, I want someone more, uh, uh, someone that they can understand more and they can uh, connect more with. And I thought, w what is that supposed to mean? <laughs> <laughs> you say that like, oh, so, you know, previously you had uh, more uh, successful people and then I'm the relatable characters <laughs> well the i think one of the fr and actually it's a good catch uh, i think the it maybe the second conference we did we had some we had a speaker who was older um and then we also had speakers come in for one of the conferences from uh like seneca's president came in and talked in for at one oh, okay uh we've had a cup we had one uh a former minister uh, minister of small business come in okay um and what i learned very very crystal clear like we, i kind of knew it but to witness it was, was very powerful, mm. which was the kids didn't care. Right. When someone <clears throat> was talking about stuff that, that the kids couldn't relate to, right. they didn't care. So every other, I'd say, so for two conferences, we probably had people who were, who were older. Mm -hmm. Every other speaker has been kind of similar age right. to you. So, it, so when I said, you know, we, we used to, it was kind of those two conferences yeah. like three years ago, three, four years ago. But every other speaker has been, I would say like, early early on in their journey but far enough in the early enough in their journey that you know kind of kind of matches with age right you know they're not going to have a 40-year career you know when they're 24 years old yes but they're they are further along their entrepreneurial right. journey than the kids and so the kids were able to relate and say you know i i can that's within reach yes so it, it's it was actually actually funny with uh last year uh, one of the founders of STEM Kids Rock, which mm. is a, a not-for-profit that teaches kids uh, about science, but it does so by teaching that it teaches uh, kind of their their staff of volunteers who are also kids who yeah. then teach other kids. So it's okay. a really cool model. And Keeley came and like they've been around for a few years. Um, Keeley was just actually she just started her first year at Ma uh, McMaster this year. Right. But she came and I wanted the kids to, to listen to a then grade 12 student, but who had done a lot of stuff in the community okay. and they could see themselves. And yeah, that was, just, it was just the, Hey, so, wait, someone's doing that. Right. So then I guess it's kind of like the, uh, how like a lot of summer camps will do it where they have like teenagers looking after the kids or like, you know, college students looking after the teens There's you know, someone who's, um, older than them and, you know, has, has gone through those mistakes, but not so old that it feels disconnected and like it's an entirely different world oh to uh, yeah, yeah totally so um yeah when when i asked you it totally wasn't meant to be an insult it was more of a no a i good didn't thing. i didn't fully take it as an <laughs> insult i just i think it was maybe uh just po possibly uh you know my own insecurities i went oh wait hold on what does relatable mean here <laughs> it was yeah it was more it was actually relatable in a role model sense as opposed okay. to relatable in a you know, negative, you know, whatever connotation. Okay. No, totally is, if I didn't think that you had something to, to offer, I wouldn't have asked you. Right, I guess that would, would make sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, more of like an older brother role as opposed to like a dad role. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and like, it's funny. Um, so because I teach in, in high schools, mm -hmm. like I, I kind of get the inner workings of what, what high schools are like now. Right. When I talk to my friends who don't do this, mm -hmm. they remember high school when, you know, in the 80s, in the, in the 90s, right. and how high school was then, which is very different. Yes. And so even things like cell phones, like this whole cell phone yep. ban that kicked in, like, I don't know, Monday. Um, so there are people like, oh, cell phones are bad. Kids shouldn't use them. Mm -hmm. Like... Right, because when you went to high school, when you were in grade 11, that was like 1988, mm -hmm. and there were no cell phones. There was no yeah. distraction, at least not like that. Yeah. Um, but you were writing your notes, and you're throwing stuff at people, and yeah. so you had your, you, we created our own, our own distractions. Yeah. I think you know, people who may not be as familiar with how the, you know, uh, a school works today yeah. lack that perspective. So then if that's the case, lack of perspective of kind of how life works mm -hmm. in, in schools. So then when they give advice on, you know, to a student about how they should navigate in high school, yeah. how relevant is it if they don't have, you know, that, that context? Right. Absolutely understand that someone who's 46 has a lot of years of experience. Yeah. But when it's about how to interact with someone in grade 12 today, yeah. the advice might be 50% relevant. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you or someone else, you know, kind of who's, you know, 25, 26, 24 in that age range, mm -hmm. you will be much more relevant because you're 10 years removed, or, you know, right. seven years, eight years removed, not 20 years removed. Right. Okay, cool. Um, I'm now deciding whether or not I want to include that in this episode, but we'll find <laughs> out. Um, so 
you know, going back to the the start of of uh, Y two when you sort of started it as uh, the startup week, was that something that was just sort of on your mind? You're just like, you know, other people go play pickup basketball on the weekend. I'm gonna do a startup week. Is is that how you you, you had thought of it, or was pretty it, much? Yeah, yeah. It's <coughs> it was I remember like s- for fun. Yeah, that's totally what it was. Yeah, yeah. It's it, so when someone asked me, "What do you do for fun?" I'm like, I was actually thinking about this. Um, and it's semi-facetious, but semi-serious. Right. I run conferences and programs for fun. Wow. And it's stu- like the average person's like, what is wrong with this guy? Like, yeah. But it's true. Like, I'll sit there. And I'm like, I've got time in my hands. Mm-hmm. And I remember this. There's this one night. I was sitting at home. I had some time. Right. Got my, you know, my drink, sat down and wrote five pages, which ended up being the agenda for mm-hmm. the program flow for right. the first Y2. It oh. was just like. I feel like doing this and I pumped it out and then I had a chat with someone from Seneca and Seneca, the guy at Seneca was like, this is awesome. Let's do it. And just, it, but I just, that's just the way I work. Right. Okay. So I guess that was your version of uh, hanging out with friends or playing the, you know, pick up basketball or, or, you know, going hiking or whatever. That was just your fun. It's, that was my fun. Plus I suck at basketball <laughs> right. and I'm not much of a hiking person. Yeah. So. <laughs> but yeah, so it, you, you had limited options. Well, it's, it's just when you love something, um, and and I've I've always like I joked about this before that mm-hmm. I'm socially you know I was always socially awkward, but certain things have interested me. Right. And the idea of running a conference that was targeting helping teens mm-hmm. that was interesting. Right. And you know I I I I remember kind of thinking this is different and it's weird and it's but I was like, you know what if at the end of, if the end of my journey and if the journey lasts two weeks, people are, you know I, I realize that there is no problem. Or you know the you know the students are getting whatever they need now. Right. Okay. Or if my idea would not solve the problem, it's stupid, it's boring, it's whatever. Yeah. Great. But I kind of went. You know what? I kind of feel like I want to try. And my investment wasn't money. My investment wasn't buying something. It my was investment. The time. It was time. It was, and I'm like, right. I'm sitting here anyway. Yeah. You know, everybody's asleep. Yes. And I don't need to get up early tomorrow, so I'll just do with this. Mm-hmm. So that's that's really it. Was just like I'm curious to take that first step. Mm-hmm. And then when I wrote it, I went, oh, this actually doesn't seem too bad. I'll wake up tomorrow and review it mm-hmm. and see whether or not it was just me being tired. Mm-hmm. Reviewed it the next day. That seemed reasonable. It just kind of step by step, you know, validated with external. I called a couple of high school students who I'd spoken with at, a, at an event. Right. Uh, asked them, like, what do you think? And they were like, yeah, this is awesome. So I just kept taking, like, step by step by step, which, you know, now I'm, like, validating stuff with teachers. Right. Um, and now I'm talking to different school boards across Ontario. Okay. So it literally just all these little steps that over time became big steps. Cool. But it all started with me being like, you know, I don't play basketball and yeah. I don't feel like going for a hike. Yeah. It's just something that was just naturally that you, you, you thought was enjoyable and you're like, heck, why not? So, like, what's, why did you start this podcast? Oh, yeah. I guess it's because I, I thought it was fun and I thought it would right? be cool to do. Right. And this might turn into a thing. Yeah. And it might not, but you're, 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 you're learning, you're having some fun. Yeah. And maybe in hindsight, in whatever period of time, when you look back, you're like, okay, I saw these were the major, major mm-hmm. evolutionary points or it just, it's a fun story, but yeah. it's exactly. So, you know, you could have played basketball and maybe you did, yeah. but, and you could have gone for a hike, but you decided to start a podcast. Yes. It's the same thing. Wow. And I think that's a, actually uh, a good point to, to, to hang on to for uh, those who are listening that, you guys, you know, maybe you're just interested in starting something new um, uh, and you're thinking, well, yeah, is it going to turn into a big thing? Well, if it's something you enjoy, then maybe just like go and pursue it. What? Well, like, and especially for, for anyone who is currently who's listening, who you currently live at home, uh, you live with your parents, um, you know, you don't need to pay for rent or m- maybe you are. But most of yeah. you don't pay for rent. Uh, chances are a lot of your food is covered by, by your family. Well, if you take the chance now and it fails, you're not getting kicked out of your home unless mm-hmm. your idea is to burn down the home or kill right. your parents, something evil like that. Okay. But if it's something within reason, you're, you're not going to get kicked. You, yeah. you don't lose your, your, yeah. your accommodation. You don't lose your sustenance. Right. So the risk level's low. Mm-hmm. So why not? Yeah. Why not give it a try? And, and you know, if you're interested, see how far you go with it. Yeah. And even like if you are uh, uh, in, a, in a stage where you are supporting people, like you, you are... You have a family, you have kids, uh, like you, you did that, you started that, um, like seven years ago and you're, you know, married with, with kids and, yeah. and so, um, you didn't let that stop you. It was just cause something that you enjoyed. 
Yeah, and if and if anyone's in that similar set, that mindset, you know, you've got family or you've got you know dependents, and you've got a mortgage to pay or whatever, whatever your mm-hmm. financial commitments are. Right. Um, something that helped me was when I left Telus, I went okay, based on sa- the savings we had right. at the time. Um, how much runway would we have if I made no money? Mm-hmm. And, you know, how long could we go for? So right. we were like, okay, it's about you know twelve months, let's say. And then I went, okay, well that's good to know, because for me, I'm really impatient. Right. So if I don't have something in six months, I probably am not very good at this. Mm-hmm. This being consulting. Right. And I went, okay, so at six months, so one thing at that point was my wife went, oh, okay, so we have enough for twelve. You're you you're gonna stop this at six if you right. got nothing. I got nothing to worry about. Because you're, you know, the point that I was going to pull the parachute was far earlier than what she was going to do. Oh, so okay. she was like, okay, well, then I'm not going to worry. So that actually helped the conversation okay. where she was like, oh, we're not going to be financially jeopardized. Right. So that was one. And then for me, when I worked backwards from six months, I knew I needed, you know, I needed a lead or I needed a project by three, which meant working back, I needed mm-hmm. to start pounding the payment. So, you know, I think that for anyone who does have financial commitments, there is, there are things that you can do to you draw a box around how how much risk right. you're you're willing to t- to um undertake right and for me it was six months was kind of that that point mm-hmm. and the people who depended on me i.e. in this case my wife um understood and you know her box was much longer so to speak right. and we just kind of went okay this is good so i think knowing how much drawing and identifying how much risk i was willing to take on when i left was really important right so i knew when i would get off the the train if it wasn't going anywhere okay and so after you ran the first Y2 conference, was that when you decided to take it full time or? Uh, no, it's uh, so Y2 conference was kind of an annual thing. So I played okay. with different times. So we did the first one in October. The second one was in April the next right. year. Um, so I played with various permutations of it. Um, then I started doing stuff in classroom because I started being asked, mm-hmm. you know, I can't make the, the conference, but I, I still want to go through the training. Right. And so I thought, well, it's kind of embarrassing to turn to someone and say, you know, Great, you want to do this. Back to the the you know mm-hmm. the teenager. Great, you want to do this. Wait three hundred wait three hundred sixty four days. Mm-hmm. That just didn't feel right. So I started thinking, how could I offer during the course of the year? Right. So the next few years was playing with permutations of of things happening during the year. So more okay. more conferences, which was exhausting. Um, doing stuff in schools. Yeah. Um, which ended up became creating a revenue model. Right. And that's where I went, okay, now I can sustain this. Because the conferences, we never we never made money. I never made any money off of the conferences. Right. 100% of the money that came in went right back to the kids. Okay. So if we, if, if I raised, you know, um, $6,000 in sponsorship and then like 2000 in, in registration fees, mm-hmm. $8,000 was spent on food and prizes and all everything went to the, to the, uh, to the students. Right, all the resources yeah. to make the event possible. Because I, I personally... At the time, I didn't feel right taking sponsorship money and then spending on me. Right. I just didn't. That wasn't why the regional municipality of York or city of Mark yeah, wanted to give yeah. you money. Yeah. yeah. So I'm like, okay, I'm honoring that. Yeah. But I went, well, if I want to do this, you know, um, imp- and create more impact, it wasn't about making money for the sake of making money. Mm-hmm. It was about how can I create impact um, as defined as the more st- the number of students who participate in problem-based learning and, and, uh, and so forth. So once I found, I was playing with different models and probably in the past year, year and a half, mm-hmm. that's when the revenue model of like, wait, if I do ice challenges or design thinking workshops, right. if I do, you know, kind of this other stuff, uh, problem-based learning and so forth, combined, that is actually a business that could, could be sustaining and could scale. Right. So okay. the conference was really the starting point. And now if I look, you know, at the time the conference was, the, was it was Y2 and the conference were synonymous. They're one and the same. Right. Today, the conference is probably like 10%, 5% of the, mm-hmm. where I spend my time. Right. Um, the rest of it is the in-classroom stuff. So it's really, uh, the first couple of years was really playing with different ways to, to achieve the impact mm-hmm. that I'd set out to, uh, yeah. to achieve. And I think um, that's, because a lot of um, organizations and companies as well um, will use events as kind of like uh, a way to, market and, and, and brand uh, the, the, the idea. So like, here's a big taste of two days worth of, uh, of what uh, our vision is, what our goal is, what our mission is, um, what our values are. And then you take that and you break it uh, into the, the thing that is, is more manageable, which is like the, you know, going into classrooms and, and teaching um, like a classroom of uh, 24 kids or whatever and doing like a, a little workshop as opposed to, you know, a uh, hundred kids and a big, you know, uh, keynote speakers and, you know, uh, p- 
pitching for serial entrepreneurs. Um, yeah, I think that's a that's an excellent. Um, I guess I would you could call it a business model. Um, it's it was funny that um, my original group that I was was targeting were students, right? And so the conference was was you know it was kind of the flagship, um, and the more students that came, the better, and that was the way we 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 help students. But what I found is the more we do stuff in in school classrooms, the decision maker isn't the students. So when a student typically grade 11 12 the students will make the decision to come right 9 10 might be their parents pushing them right and then you know one half one half parents yeah. and versus self but in the, in the classrooms the school the, the students have i would say zero percent right. you know decision making power it's the teachers the administrator yeah. and so shifting like but being so shifting the messaging between the two was has been interesting right but the intent of y2 is still the same Okay. And so whether it's direct to student or, you know, direct to teacher, direct to admin, you know, admin or mm -hmm. whatever, it's still all about giving students mm -hmm. um, experiential learning opportunities, hands-on, you know, the ability to learn a concept, you know, have some, some examples and then apply the concept. It's still the same thing. Um, but just the, the level of messaging is different. So the teachers want to know what I just said. Right. You know, we're going to teach this. You're going to see examples of what, it, what good looks like. And then you're going to have time to practice it. And then we'll move on to the next concept, which is more around the, the learning experience for the students. For the conference, the messaging is meet, you know, meet like-minded students, solve problems that, that are meaningful to you. So that the, you know, talking to the students is, is a different, um, different message to appeal to them to come. And so where I thought the marketing of the conference could cross over into the schools it actually didn't oh because the audience so there are students who know about y2 and they had a good experience and right. but the teachers don't necessarily know about the conference they right. had, what they know are pbl problem-based learning and the ice challenges right so it's been interesting to have two different audiences two different s streams of activity mm. for the yeah. two different audiences the, the the result is still you know the the goal is still very much the same yeah um, but how we get there through the two streams is very different. So that's been a big learning over the last little while of right. knowing that, you know, how do I make this easy for teachers and help the teachers accomplish their goals mm -hmm. um, by using ice challenges and PBL, um, but also delivering the next layer to the students so that when I do work with students, they have an interesting experience. And I learned that from dealing with students in the conferences. So knowing what work the what kind of engaged students through the conference, I make sure I bring into the classroom. But to get into the classroom, I've got to work, make sure the teachers are comfortable that what I'm doing is going to help them achieve what they have in mind for the students. So mm -hmm. it's, it's been a, just a very interesting journey of understanding right. what people need. What would you say uh, has been your, your biggest obstacle um, uh, that you've had to overcome, whether with um, uh, you know, starting Y2 or, or um, you know, getting it to the point where it is, or, or maybe even uh, in, in the past, previous to that? There are probably a few things. Um, I think... One of my, one of the things I, I, I tend to be good at is keeping perspective and saying, you know, we've come this far, here's what we're doing, here's what's, what's going to happen next. Um, so most days I'm fine. Mm -hmm. But there are some days where I look at others and I'm like, you know, I think we, we call this imposter syndrome. Right. So I look at other people who are in the same space as me and right. respect them for their accomplishments. But they feel it feels on the, like on those days, mm -hmm. they've done so much more than me. They've had so much more impact than mm -hmm. me. And, you know, then I get into a little bit of a pity party. Like, right. how could they, you know, why did they, why were they able to do it? I haven't got there. Mm -hmm. Maybe I'm not cut out for this. Um, and I think the, the, the struggle has been to say, to, to almost teach my, teach me how to give myself space to do like the 20 minute pity party mm -hmm. and not dwell on it. Right. So you know what? It, it sucks where, where I am right now. It's not where I want to be. It's whatever. Okay. Get it right. out of your system. Okay. Now get up, go post those things on Instagram, go mm -hmm. develop content for the next, you know, the, the next classroom session, go right. draw the business model canvas. Cause you're going to teach at this you know school tomorrow. So I think it was, training myself to compartmentalize my frustration to not deny it because mm -hmm. you see on like when you go on on social media when you talk to people in these conferences uh in, in talks and networking events everyone's doing really well yeah. everyone's launching their, yes. their business it's amazing they're talking to all these people very few people are like you know what dude i had a shit day today mm -hmm. you know i had this deal i thought it was i was counting on it mm -hmm. um it, everything looked so good and then it dropped and now I'm doubting myself and I'm wondering whether I'm good enough for this or whatever. 
And I think we never really, and more people are talking about it. Right. But I think for me, um, for me, because I was the one facilitating a lot of the, the, the some of the events that encourage people to talk about it. Yeah. Um, I was afraid to reveal the other side of me, which was the one that was afraid and was, right. you know, worried about failing and looking right. stupid because I'd always played play the role of being mm-hmm. the one on stage, encouraging others. Mm-hmm. So it was just weird to go from MC to being the speaker, right. so to speak. So my challenge was um, admitting when things were dark and being comfortable enough to say it mm-hmm. and then training myself to say, okay, you know what? Don't deny it. Don't shut it down. Mm-hmm. Don't ignore it. It's there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I am worried. I am frustrated. I am beating myself up. But once, you know, when we're done or 20 minutes is over, mm-hmm. get up because the show has to, you know, must go on. Yeah. And I still have faith in the impact and the, the, the end objective, which is helping right. youth. So me, me pitying partying for too long isn't helping, right. you know, the, the students in schools. Right. So I think that was probably the biggest challenge of trying to um, <clears throat> find my way of dealing with the mental frustration, the emotional, whatever, when things aren't going as well as I, I had hoped. Mm-hmm. So that's probably the, the, you know, mental health is kind of the overarching thing, but I think it came down to, you know, how would I deal with day-to-day or kind of operational level frustrations, particularly when they came from a place of jealousy right. and or fear. Okay. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, definitely does. Um, and I think that's not something that you can have like a quick fix that we can provide everyone that like the one piece of advice that will solve the your insecurity problems. Because if that were the case, then nobody would have insecurity or we would have it done really quickly. But I think it just, you know, uh, being more accepting of it and then being open open to it and you know doing you know listening to a podcast like this or you know sharing uh, how you feel with with your friends and you know uh, acknowledging that you know sometimes you, you're just having a, a bad run a bad day like I've had to switch the battery for my camera twice I ran out of space on my card and some uh, so many other different variables just recording this episode of the podcast but like it, you know just like sort of acknowledging yeah that sucked that, that it happened but like getting through it and i th- and i uh, it, and to add to that i think that people res- the people i know I mean, mm-hmm. there's there's some who may mock right. and there may be people listening to this right now going wow lucas is a, you know he's he he doesn't belong there why is he on the podcast he's right. he's not he hasn't achieved it yet whatever that is there may be people thinking that and that's fine um for the people that i i do care about because i don't necessarily worry too much about the people who are mocking me mm-hmm. the people i like to spend my time with the people i i consider my tribe we respect resilience and grit mm-hmm. so th- we know things aren't going to be perfect and it's it's how you handle the fall how you get back on the horse right. that that's to me that's where you really see character right and that's where that's where someone is interesting when everything's right. perfect you know what i can lead i can do when everything is going mm-hmm. perfectly a monkey could figure that out, mm-hmm. right? It's when things go sour and go sideways and surprises come up yeah. that you're like, okay, that's what you're made of. That makes for interesting yeah. humanity, interesting story. You know, that's someone I want to sit down and have a beer with yeah. and hear how they overcame whatever that adversity yeah. was. And that's what jobs exist for. Like, right. If everything's they, perfect, no one would be working. Yeah. <laughs> so, it, so I think, and it, back to your point about, you know, there's not one quick fix. I think, so it's been, I'll, I'll kind of ramble a bit and then kind of get to maybe a point. Um, a couple weeks ago, I sat down with two friends. Uh, one's a CEO of, mm-hmm. of a rel- you know, reasonably a successful company. He's been doing this for 15 years. And the other guy, um, also very successful. He's run incubators and yeah. accelerators. Um, used to be an advi- financial advisor to investors. So they both uh, come with, on the surface, what you would think are, are very, well, they were both very successful. Yeah. And they're both leaders in their community. So people look to them as being, you know, these are who people I, I aspire mm-hmm. to be. But we sat down, the three of us had, you know, went out for beer um, a couple of weeks ago, and it was fascinating how much time we spent on talking about empathy. <clears throat> like three dudes, um, dudes, you know, apparently don't talk about empathy. Yeah. But there we were, and I, I'm sure we're not the only ones. But we sat there and we talked about the importance of empathy when talking to the people who we surround ourselves with. It's important for us that they have empathy. So when I say I had a bad day, it's not, oh, you'll get over it. Mm-hmm. Or... Oh, come on. You've done so much with your life. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, you know what? Now that you say it, yeah, it was a rough day. Mm-hmm. And the empathy in someone else, you know, if, if they, they practice their empathy or they lean into it, they will give, you know, us kind of our time to do what we need to do to kind mm-hmm. of process it and get over it. 
um, but give us that time. So mm -hmm. even an acknowledgement of, wow, that, yeah, that is bad. Mm -hmm. It's th that can be really important. So we spent so much time about how some of our our in, you know individual our relationship with, mm -hmm. with our our you know, people in our lives um, haven't been so great because that other person you know just wasn't able to to show empathy for the situation. Mm -hmm. And you know it was funny that that's kind of where the three of us bonded was you know the, kind of the the the, the 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 understanding and the desire not to fix the problem mm -hmm. but to simply you know appreciate it yeah and understand that it's there and, and not try to you know change or sway or step in or deny or or sugarcoat right so i thought it was you know i think that um you know going that's that, that's the ramble to back to the hey what can you take away from this if you're listening is give your you know show yourself empathy mm -hmm. so when something's going sour or something's not going the way you want empathize yourself you know know that yes you're going to beat yourself up and give yourself t space to react that way, but also mm -hmm. give your space, your, yourself space on the other end to go, you know what, everybody screws up mm -hmm. or everybody runs into situation, every, everybody is handed negative situations. Right. You know, you can beat yourself up because that's the way you're wired, but at some point, you, sh you know, allow, you know, show empathy to the other side of you, mm -hmm. which is, you know what, you didn't, you don't deserve, you're not a bad person, you will, you know, you will find a way to, f to figure this out. So, you know, let's start finding kind of giving you that mental, Start giving yourself that mental space to you know, to work your way out of it, right? And not and and not cloud it with beating yourself up. Okay, wow! I think that was excellent, uh, like excellent advice for the the people listening to the podcast. Whenever you're feeling down, um, so I know that you have to go real soon. Uh, so I I uh, had like a t so many other questions I want to ask and like i'm sure we can get like hours upon hours of, of uh, conversation so i'll have to have you back for uh, a part two if if you are interested i'd love to I'd, I'd be curious if you hear if you hear feedback from people who listen to it um you know what was helpful maybe we can use that to kind of steer yeah. the conversation you know wherever wherever it goes but i mean i think you and i are on the same page right. we want to help as many people as we can with, right. with this conversation right and so um you know finishing off the podcast i I usually uh, get people to give the a, a piece of advice that they would give a uh, previous version of themselves, like the past version of themselves. But uh, because you work with so many uh, young entrepreneurs uh, and you, you've seen, uh, you know, various uh, struggles and, and obstacles that they go through, um, the, you know, the current teenagers and current um, uh, young entrepreneurs, uh, what's the, the biggest piece of advice that you would give to someone uh, that you would give to the, to the kids that you work with? So the first would be that empathy thing. Mm -hmm. um, be empathetic towards yourself. Mm -hmm. So that we, we talked about that already. Right. Um, I think another thing I would say is um, everyone's, everyone's curious about something. Mm -hmm. and, and there's a bunch of people who are curious about things that are socially acceptable mm -hmm. in the sense of so, not so, socially encouraged, meaning parents, uh, you know, family members, close friends, um, you know, they tell you, yes, you should be, if you're interested in medicine, yay you, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. If you're interested in, I don't know, uh, blockchain, yes, that's cool. You should really be interested in that. And, and that's fine. They're, they're, you know, f that's good for them. But if you're interested in something that maybe isn't talked about, yeah. so you're interested in knitting or you're interested in, you know, um, the, the kind of a, a less cool version, you know, aspect of waste management. So yeah. You know, why is there no curbside recycling for for styrofoam? Sure, yeah. Um, you know, if you're interested in your your thing is like there's a bunch of garbage sitting on, sitting in the ocean in the Philippines and that kind of pisses you off. But your inner your your kind of immediate circle is like that's stupid. That's all the way on the other side of the globe. What, what I would what I would offer that is it's okay to be passionate about what you're passionate about, mm -hmm. except if it's about killing like small animals and right. children. Like that's not okay. You should really you should get help for yes. that. Um, but if it's about you know, if you're if you're excited and interested, and you know you love art and you love drawing transformers, and maybe people around you are like, "What is that?" Mm -hmm. You know what? That's awesome that you're passionate about something, right? And so, whether you're passionate about volleyball, and you know you're passionate about things, you're passionate about something. Mm -hmm. I would say that you know for for people who are, I say a lot of people who are even older struggle with that because you get the passion beaten out of you by life. Mm -hmm. So if you have something passionate about, nurture that. Mm -hmm. That could become an occupation that could mm -hmm. become something, you know, project mm -hmm. that you work on in the future. And it may not be, mm -hmm. but uh, you know, life isn't just about projects. Life's about feeling right. something. And I'd say, you know, I'll make sure you, you hang on to something that intrigues you, that, that you're excited about. So like with you, you know, kind of bring it back to you. The fact that you went, Hey, I'm curious about a podcast. I'm going to check it out. That's amazing because you're, you're pursuing something for the interest of learning and trying, mm -hmm. not because you were told to. Right. 
So I'd say for anyone listening, you know, make sure you find your passion, like look within yourself, feel it within yourself, journal it, whatever you need to do, meditate, but find that thing that interests you, you're curious about and pursue it and, and investigate, explore it. And maybe that's, there's something in there that will get you, you know, passionate and, and and fired up. And even if it's floral arrangements that, you know, no one else in your family does. Well, great. If you love floral arrangements, maybe that's your thing. And be, you know, accept it, accept that that is your thing and that accept that you are passionate about what you're passionate about. Yeah, and I think even uh, if you, you don't, you know, a lot of young people are saying, well, I don't know my passion. I've, uh, it's, it's crazy that I, have to, I feel like I, I should know my passion by now. You don't have to know it. No. You should just like try different things. If there's something that maybe kind of piques your interest that you haven't tried before, go try it and then explore it. And then if it turns out it sucks and you hate it, then go try something else. Yeah, because now you know. Yeah. Now you know you don't like whatever this thing was. Mm-hmm. You can try something. Absolutely. And... You know, I think that when you do get older and you have kids and a job and a whatever, yeah. you know, life, you don't have as much time to go mm-hmm. pursue your passions. Right. And I think, you know, doing that earlier is, is wonderful. And the others, so, you know, don't judge your, st- don't be judged. Don't allow yourself to be judged when someone's like, well, you know, your floral arrangement thing, you know, that's, that's not going to get you a job. Well, that's not the point. Yeah. It's about finding your passion. Yeah. So, you know, I think being aware that there will be people in your life who question you because, you know, part, partially because they probably can't figure out their passion either and they're just taken out on you. Mm-hmm. But knowing that there are people who will be naysayers, accept it. But if you are curious, you know, A, continue to, to, to explore that, that, that interest and B, surround yourself with people who are equally curious. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they say that you are the, you will reflect the five people you spend the most, right. most time with. Well, make sure those five people encourage you push you that you're cheering each other along rather than you know s- surrounding yourself with people who are shutting you down from right. being curious okay awesome yeah uh that was an excellent note to end on uh, and we got to get you out of here so uh, uh before we go where can uh, people uh, uh reach out to you or find out more about uh, y2 and the things that you got going on yeah um so our website address is y2labs.co um so people all the information that we do with uh you know, problem-based learning and conferences and all that's there. Um, but if people want to reach out to me, um, feel free to email me. Um, it's uh, lucas at y2labs.co. And, uh, you know, just shoot me an email and let's chat. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the show, Lucas. And thank you for doing this. I think this is great. Awesome. Thanks, everyone. Hey, guys. Thanks so much for listening to the show. Uh, if you enjoyed it, please do share it with your friends and make sure that you guys are subscribed and following the podcast on whichever uh, distribution platform you're listening to it on. And please, if you like it, be sure to leave uh, a comment or a review on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever. You can follow me at Anton Wong Video uh, and you can uh, send me some comments on uh, on those platforms as well, on Instagram, on Twitter. Uh, and yeah, thank you so much once again for listening. See you guys.